All right, it's Wednesday. And so that means it's a new episode of Christians and Mental Health from Providence Presbyterian Church on Hilton Head Island. I am Rachel Ward. And I am Will Ward, once again here from Providence Church to give a unique perspective on mental health, or that's what I've been told. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about one of people's favorite topics, and that is family. And specifically the family you grew up in. And psychologists often call those a family of origin. So F-O-O, foo, family of origin, the family you grew up in. Although, of course, this could be um, applied, what we're going to talk about today, to your extended family, to people you work with. Um, once you kind of think about this little almost game we're going to talk about, uh, it helps you kind of understand people in every arena. Okay, so my younger son, John, loves plays, specifically Shakespeare. So one way to think about what we're talking about is looking, looking at your family that you grew up in like characters in a play. And why you do that is you want to give each one of them a label for their character. So like some common labels people will use for their family is like the family clown, like the kid who is always funny, or maybe the yeller, the person who yelled all the time, or the instigator, the person who kind of always instigated something. So Will, are you ready for this? Oh, yes. How about if you label the four people in our family, and then I'll give you labels I think they should have kind of hard and they you know it doesn't have to be perfect but let's say this how would you label bill ward my husband your father well that is a good question and uh, i really hope he is not listening to this podcast but i would definitely say i would say the leader oh i like that because i would have named him mr do the right thing so well, very close yeah so however, very i would all Oh, up until recently, I had not been working at the church with him. And I feel like the more adult relationship frames that differently. So I would agree. Yeah, so that I like that. So you saw him as leader and I see him as Mr. Do the Right Thing. Okay, this is dicey. How would you label me your mother? Well, I, I knew this was coming. So I've been mentally shuffling words in my head. I would say the enforcer. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I might call myself, yes, I would call myself like the director. Okay. Is that fair? So like, yeah, no, I would the enforcer and I would call myself the director, like I'm, the, or the engine. How about that? That would work. I mean, yeah. we're all kind of the words for a similar thing. Yeah. Okay. So, well, what name would you give yourself? Well, part of me wants to say the relief or the... Hmm. I'm I'm at a loss for this one because from the inside looking out, I really don't know. Yeah, I would call you. Well, we used to say when Will would come home from college to his brother, "Oh, fun is coming home." So I would call Will. I would call him a dreamer. That might be the easiest title, um, but a little bit larger than life. Wouldn't you say that? Larger yes. than life dreamer. Maybe sometimes a little bit of a goofy dreamer, but you know, delightful. All right, so here's probably the most fun one. How would you label your brother, my youngest son, John? The Gestapo. <laughs> yeah, 
that's a hard one. Like he, it depends on the day. Definitely, I would call him the machine. Yes. You know what I mean? No, he is definitely the most efficient of all of us. Yes, and just like boom, boom, boom. Okay, so we have. I'll just pick different ones. Is it? So, Dad, we have like, or my husband, we have the um kind of do the right thing leader. You have me, who's kind of the machine engine, the engine director that, or the engine director that gets things done. You kind of the dreamer who's fun. And then we have John, the machine that just is driven to do it right. Right? Yes. So those are kind of the four actors in our family play, the roles that we play. Now, what's fascinating about roles in a family is they tend to come from two places. And one is just kind of the temperament the child's born with. So some kids are laid back. Some kids are like more energetic or, you know, active. Some kids are easy to soothe. Some kids are different to soothe. Some kids want to try new things. Some kids are much more cautious. And scientists or psychologists have studied kids' temperaments for like 150 years. You can go online and look at temperament.com. And you'll see there's like continuums, even shy versus outgoing. So, you know, you're not dealing with just this like blank slate kids do come wired a certain way. Um, and so like I could see from the beginning that you were more like cautious or watched a little bit more or a little bit more laid back. And John, especially like we could see that when he started school, he by his temperament was more driven, more wanted the T's crossed, the I's dotted. And we didn't raise you any differently, right? So you guys came a little bit wired differently. So that's the yeah. small, the smaller of the two factors. The second factor that creates family roles are parents, right? So the way parents set up a family, the way your household runs, the way their parents respond to their kids' temperament also helps to create these big family roles that each person plays. So like, it's not unusual when you have a dreamer for your first child that some parents will try to break that dreamer's will. Like this kid needs to pull it together. This kid needs to get all A's in school. You know, I need to break his will so that he's not a dreamer all the time, but he's focused. That's kind of a Correct. typical thing. And, yes. and so you can see it could be a good thing to be a dreamer in a family, or it could be a really bad thing. Yeah, but what about if it's your second child? I'm just now curious about the psychology of that. Uh, you know, it's very fascinating. I think it depends on what your first child's like. Because I've seen families where, like, the first child is very driven. You know, we had them kind of backwards in our family where the stereotypically it's an older kid that's real driven. And so by having a dreamer first, I didn't have the same expectations for my second child, but I think some families where you have a real driven kid first, they're hard on their second child who's a dreamer. But I think the more kids you have, a dreamer is more able to do it because the parents' expectations have been kind of spread out. Does that make sense? That would make sense. Yes. Okay. So for all of you at home sitting and thinking about your parents and your brothers and sisters, and you know, there's lots of different titles. There's I mean, difficult ones like alcoholics, you know, the alcoholic or the yeller or, you know, just there can be some very difficult ones. Then there's other ones that are more neutral, like the peacemaker or the negotiator. Or sometimes there's like a lawyer child who negotiates everything, tell the whole family like wants to scream. So the helpful thing about 
<laughs> about identifying these different roles is you can start to say it's a different way to understand your family. That the kids, especially in your family, were kind of assigned these roles by their temperament and by their parents. And you can start to say, okay, so like in our family, if I'm a driven engine and I can see that my son Will is a little bit more of a dreamer, instead of getting mad at him, I can say, what is it like to think like a dreamer? Right, so it's almost like these plays my younger son likes. I can say, if I was the dreamer character instead of the driven engine character, how would I see the situation differently? And it doesn't mean that every role is good and right. There can be some real destructive roles that people play, but it's a way to start saying, can I see my family differently? Either A, to make change or, you know, let go of some bitterness from the past or even forgive people or be more productive when I want to go to a family holiday like Thanksgiving. Ooh. Now, I would say, and I'm going to use a story about John, so I hope he's not listening. How would you suggest people get into that mindset? Because I know mom, my mom's going to roll her eyes when I bring this up. When we were younger, my brother and I had a lawn mowing business together. And one of our frequent locking horns problems was he wanted the lawn to look pristine by the time we left, like where he was picking up individual blades of grass from the sidewalk. We were having a huge fight about it. And my mom came in and said, now you need to look at the situation through each other's lens. Like, Will, you look at it through John's lens and see how he would be driven to do it. And John, you look at it through Will's lens and see how maybe someone's picking up every individual blade of grass isn't that important. To which John replied, but if I think like, Will, we won't get the job done well. And I think for a lot of people, there's a barrier to thinking that way, just because if they're wired like John, where he's, this is getting done my way no matter what. Well, here's what I'll say about that. Um, I do think for kids, this is very difficult, right? I think when you're a kid, it's hard to say, let me think this out. I think this is a much more beneficial tool for adults where, you know, especially like in difficult adult family relationships where, you know, maybe you have someone like I'm the youngest of five children. And so where in my life, I was the engine, I was the director of our family and I run a business. When I go be, when I'm around my sisters, they're in charge because they're older than me. And so like, I could either look at that as like they're, they're bossy, which I don't think they are, or I could go, of course, they're way older than me. So those are their roles that they had, that they played, and they don't see any problem with that. And so I think that it's much more helpful for adults. I also think it becomes incredibly important if you're a parent, right? Like, are you fearing your child's character, the role that they're playing in your family in the most positive direction? So a story I've told in many parenting classes is you came up to me once, Will, I think when you were in seventh grade and John was in fourth grade. And you said to me, mom, I think John might be smarter than I am. And I said hmm. to you, yes, Will, he is. Now, when I tell that story in parenting classes, people gasp that I said that to you. I said, but here's what, Will, I said, John was born with just a gift to be a good driven student. I said, he's smarter than I was in fourth grade and your father was. I said, that's just the blessing he was born with. I said, but Will, you were blessed with being happy and resilient. And I said, when you are grownups, that might be more important than being smart. So part, instead of ignoring what you guys brought to the table or ignoring the roles you had or ignoring the characteristics you were born with, 
parents can say, what's good about each one of these roles? You know, what's good about kind of how this kid came to the table and the role they're playing in our family? Um, so as a parent, it becomes really important to see the good things in roles. So lots of times I'll have what I call a lawyer child in my office who will like nail the parent down on every issue. They'll be like, they'll say, but you said this and you said this. And the parent will start to think, well, it is true. I did say that. Now, a lawyer child can drive you nuts. But just think of if you can steer that role correctly, those children can be very effective as adults. You know, if, if they learn how to kind of tailor that drive to um, a better role in the community. So sometimes you get to be the lawyer and sometimes you don't. And so um, I think what's really useful about this is not only can you see these in your family of origin, which is probably the easiest place to see it, but then you can start to see these same characters in every group you're ever in in your life. You know, so your coworkers, your church people, your bowling league. I know no one has a bowling league anymore, but you know, wherever it is, and you can say, oh, that's why that guy upsets me so much because he's kind of the bully and my brother was the bully. So he kind of gets me upset more than I thought because he reminds me of my brother. You know, so it kind of helps you start to see how do I, as a grown up, respond to someone who maybe is playing the role of the bully? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely encountered that in the workplace <laughs> or, or at the TV station I used to work at and not Providence for anyone on the staff who's listening thinking, uh oh, who's he talking about? Now, did you ever run into someone who played a similar character in your life to your brother? 100% yes. The only difference was, whereas John is so smart, he can navigate his way around anything, this dude was not as smart, so it was a little easier to get around some of his machine tendencies because, well, this guy clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, one time, so I worked at a practice up north with five other counselors who are lovely Christian people. And when I hired in, I was the youngest person in the practice with the highest degree. So it was very similar to my family of origin, right, where I was the youngest and all the stuff. So I would sit in staff meetings and these guys would discuss a lot and kind of not argue, but negotiate a lot over stuff and have really strong opinions. And even though I had the highest degree, I really wouldn't say anything or give my opinion because after watching them for a while, I realized it was much like my older brothers and sisters that they had a lot of opinions, but I could just go do what I wanted. And when I'd come back to the staff meeting the next month, they'd say, what did we decide on that? And I'd go, I don't know, but here's what I did. And because I did it, they'd be okay with it, right? Like they just wanted to talk oh, yeah. and have their opinion heard. So I learned that from my family of origin that I've just waited them out and I got to do what I wanted anyways. And so, um, you know, it is really interesting that knowing the characters in our family. And so say you have a sister, say someone listening to us has a sister who's like the martyr. So her life is always like, woe is me, woe is me. If you think to yourself, what about our family? A lot, and her personality allowed her to become the martyr role. How would I see the world if I was a martyr? And does that make it any easier for me to get along with her? Not that you have to say she's right or give it into her, but if you start to see her not as doing that to you, but that's her character in the world, the role she's playing, it just becomes easier to find solutions about problems in a family. Definitely. Because the, the thing you can't do is make other people change their role. 
they might choose to do that. You can change your role, but you can't say if you have a sister who's a martyr, you can't say you're a martyr. Can't you see that? Stop doing it. She may or may not see it. And so it's just kind of a fun educational way to start to see the family you grew up in differently. And I was honestly about to ask with the martyr thing, like, what do you do when it's a role that maybe is a little more of a negative impact? Right. So a martyr, like just let's say, for instance, or a yeller or a bully, there's lots and lots of really negative family roles, right? Some that people listening to had tremendously difficult members in their family, I think especially parents. And so this is in no way to belittle how damaging those roles can be. But even sometimes seeing those roles as like almost walking out of the emotional impact they have in your heart and walking out of them and seeing them like characters in a play helps you see that those people were that way, not because you deserved it like as a kid or did something to make your dad yell at you or your dad drink too much and, you know, bust up the house, but that that was how he saw the world. So any child he had, he would have treated that way. Now, that doesn't make mean it takes it away. It means you start to see it for what it was, that it wasn't something you did that made them be that way. Um, and so I think it's helpful for parents in that we can help children, guide children into the best role possible. And also it helps us when we're trying to process our family of origin for good and for difficult, that I think a lot of times when people grow up in very difficult families, they take a lot of responsibility for other people's bad behavior. And if you start to see people more like characters in a movie, you really realize that as a kid, you are not responsible for someone else's bad behavior. Um, and even being able to label them, you know, one time I was talking to a lady and she was telling me just really something horrible that happened to her when she was young with a family member. And she was probably, this was probably 50 years after it happened. And I turned to her and I said, well, you know, that man was a criminal. That's what I labeled him. And she looked at me and she goes, no, he wasn't. And I said, yes, he was. He broke the law. He was a criminal. And so that was like a huge like watershed moment because no one had ever labeled him for his true behavior. And so although you and I can talk about this in a fun way, and there's a lot of, you know, you can also enjoy this with your family and see people in a different light. It's also a way to start labeling people who did do very destructive things accurately. That's a very good way to look at it. So if you say, if we say had an element of chaos in our family, who maybe yells out the window a little too much <laughs> and, by, yeah, and, and pees on the carpet. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah. Well, our dogs are a whole different ball game. Yes. We definitely, the a true element in chaos in our little ward family is the dog that we own. And so, yes, we could just label her chaos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, at the very lightest level of this, this is something you can sit and talk to your family about. Like if everybody were going to label like how we started this, that I labeled the people in our family and will label the people in our family. And it's kind of fun to see what would be the difference. Um, but yes, it can be used all across the spectrum of lighthearted, fun, understanding to seriously dealing with family of origin difficult issues. Um, so hopefully this is just a very simple, uh, colorful, but meaningful way to talk about family and family issues and to give yourself 
a different way to look at it so that new tools arise um, to deal with things that are fun and difficult. Absolutely. And if people wanted more resources on figuring out their family roles, is there anywhere they could go? Or? Absolutely. So there's something um, <clears throat> certainly online, there's going to be endless resources for this. But um, there's a thing now, I, there's now they have the Enneagram. That's, I know that's a whole different thing. But there's also a genogram and you can go online and that helps you map out your family. So for generations, it gives you a format. And then it also helps you think of different labels for your family. So you could do a genogram. I also think really interesting Christians have this great resource called the Old Testament, right? Where we are given character after character um, of very strong personalities. I remember one time I was singing a Bible study and we were studying Jacob and Esau. And this older man in the church said, I've always hated Jacob. He is such a liar and a cheat. And I was like 20 something years old. I thought, yeah, he is. We kind of hold him up as one of the heroes of the Bible, but he lied to his father. He cheated his brother out of you know, his birthright. And I think what's amazing about that is even when we see very difficult people, what the Bible shows us is if you will give yourself over to God, he will use that. And so I think that certainly something like a genogram on the internet, you can look that up, but just realizing that the Bible is full of these family characters and how God interacted with them. Um, so, you know, you're really doing this, you're learning about your family and you're probably doing a little Bible study as well. That's a very great way to look at it. All right, so hopefully that'll help you out this week. Something interesting to look at, interesting to talk to your family about. Um, Will, where can they find us if they want to join us? Yes, so you can join us every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30, either in person at 171 Cordillo Parkway on Hilton Head Island or on our live stream, which will be linked in the description. Social media is in the description. And if you would like more information on this podcast or to suggest topic ideas, email us at will at providencehhi.org. And while you're on our website, enjoy our other podcasts where we read the Gospel of Psalm or the Gospel of Psalm, the Book of Psalms and the Gospel of John. And you can enjoy audio versions of our sermons. So have a great week and we'll see you next Wednesday.